Hey everyone, so glad that you join us for week two of our Mark series. And um, you know, Beck and I have also joined uh, up with the Lyft group and we really enjoyed the discussion that we had uh, with other people. And I hope that you have gotten something out of both the videos as well as Lyft groups. It's so great that in this season with the technology that we have, we can still meet. Obviously it's not face to face and it's not like what it used to be like, but it's still something and I hope that uh, you're going to take, um, you're going to make use of the tools that we have and what we've organized in this season because we want you to be healthy, we want you to be doing well, um, and we want to all be learning as well, taking the opportunity uh, to grow in our knowledge and our love of God. And um, so as we hit up week two, we are now going to be starting to look into the actual text of Mark. And um, obviously we're going to start with Mark. 1 verse 1 and it says this the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah the Son of God and we're going to pause there I know it's only verse 1 so far but there's something really important about this introduction see Mark really dives right into what he wants to communicate and remember that this was possibly only around 40 years after Jesus's death. There are still eyewitnesses that are alive and their children uh, at this time as well. And so we have this audience that know about Jesus, that know about what had taken place. And here, Mark was possibly writing to them to help them understand the life of Jesus, what it was pointing towards, what it was all about and he starts off by calling this the good news or in some of the translations that you might be reading it might say the gospel and we use the word gospel a lot in um, Christian circles and we use it to refer even to some of the books of the Bible gospel of Matthew the gospel uh, of Mark the gospel sometimes the gospel according to Luke and gospel and good news are basically the translations of the word that was used in the Greek. But it is, what, what good news is this? Why, why use this word um, gospel? Why use this word good news? What is this good news all about? And we need to dive a little bit into the cultural understanding of this word good news for us to really get what Mark is trying to say. Uh, in, in, in Isaiah 52 verse 7, we read this verse, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news. Good news. And the picture that is used here with this good news, which I believe is what Mark was trying to bring to our mind when he uses the word good news as well, is, is a runner coming back to the city after a battle has taken place. You see, this, the people in the city would be anxiously waiting to find out what took place at the battle that was out of the city. Obviously, quite often the battles were fought away from the civilians, away from um, uh, the people. And so they would be uh, possibly hearing what was taking place, uh, the, the battle cries and, and all of that uh, far in the distance, but they would want to know the outcome of the battle. And they would post someone known as a watchman on the walls of the city, watching out for uh, a runner who would come back with this news. 
Now, if this person who was bringing back the news was kind of limping and maybe checking over his shoulder all the time, maybe taking it slow, from what what we are seeing slow, it's possibly because we have lost the battle. The runner is trying to make his way back with news, but he has to be careful for his life. And so they will automatically be able to tell, hmm, that is not going to be good news that comes back to us. However, if all if they can see this person running full pelt back to the city, and they see this feet just kicking up this dust because of the speed at which they are being able to run back with this news, then we know it's good news. We know that victory has been won. And so Isaiah uses this picture and says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. The feet of him that brings good news is, is, is news of a victory that has been won. So when Mark uses this imagery of good news, the imagery that he's wanting his audience to have, because culturally at that time they would have understood it, is good news of a victory that has been won. And this victory has been won by none other than Jesus, the Messiah, as Mark says. So this whole book, This whole gospel that he writes is for us to understand the victory that Jesus brings to us. Hold that in mind as we go through the rest of this book. Hold this in mind when when we read about um, the times that Jesus went around healing people, when we read about uh, the, the discussions and debates that Jesus has with people, the actions that he takes. Hold this in mind when Jesus dies on the cross Hold us in mind when Jesus uh, resurrects from the dead because this is about the victory that Jesus is bringing to us today. And this, and, and, and it's also really important that we understand that, that Mark calls Jesus the Messiah. In some of the translations, uh, he says Jesus the Christ. Both the word Messiah, the Messiah is in Hebrew, Christ is more of a Greek um, type word, and they both mean, literally, the anointed one. We need to understand um, that the anointed one, as the Bible dictionary says, is, is one that is elected, designated, appointed, given authority, qualified, and equipped for specific offices and tasks. What Mark was saying is that this is the victorious news of Jesus who was anointed into this position of authority. Now, this word Messiah has a a very deep meaning. It is not just any kind of anointed one. It is a very specific anointed one. And and we're going to dive more into that as we continue reading um, uh, from chapter 1 of Mark. Of Mark. So in verse 2 it says this, as it is written in, in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appears in the, appear in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
So Mark, in saying that this is the gospel, the good news, the victorious news of Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40. So what is Isaiah chapter 40 all about? When you read about that prophecy, it was at a time that Israel was already uh, in exile. It was a time that they had been defeated. And Isaiah 40 was about how God had uh, seen where Israel was at and the punishment that they had received. And so he is about to redeem Israel. And when the time comes for God to redeem Israel, there would be this prophetic voice that will cry out from the wilderness about this upcoming salvation. He would be the, um, the herald, if you will, of the anointed one um, that God had uh, put empowered to bring redemption to Israel. And so this messianic character is supposed to be this 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 hero, if you will, in the Hebrew mindset, one that will bring restoration to Israel. And this is why there's so much debate about whether Jesus is really the Messiah. Because the prophetic words that were spoken over this Messiah, uh, the, the Israelites were expecting some kind of political figure uh, who would bring deliverance to Israel specifically. Uh, he would raise an army and, and, and with what was happening in, in, in that time, overthrow the Roman overlords that had been uh, uh, ruling over Israel. And, and so Israel would then become a superpower in the world because of this um, Messiah, right? That's what the prophecies seem to point towards. And that's why this whole term of Messiah, that's why Jesus was such a controversial figure. As a descendant of David, uh, who is meant to be an everlasting king. Uh, but... The truth is, and that's what Mark was trying to bring across, that it wasn't so much a Jewish king on a Jewish throne as much as he was a servant king sitting on an everlasting throne. God wasn't bringing deliverance just to Israel, but to the whole of humankind. And it wasn't from a human oppressor, but it was from the power of sin. Mark was trying to use scripture to show how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, but the outcome is different to what the Hebrew people, the Jewish people were expecting. Isn't it interesting how oftentimes we have this picture of how God is supposed to work in our lives, how he uses his might and his glory to bring us salvation and breakthrough. Maybe in this current season, you are expecting some kind of miraculous supernatural breakthrough. And, and, and you know, you read the books about declaring the goodness of God and, and saying in Jesus' name. And, and you're trying not to doubt because when you don't doubt, then God will give you what you want. And, and, and all those kind of teachings come back to mind when you're looking for a breakthrough, Right? I've come to realize that breakthrough happens according to God's plans and his, his big picture, not my little picture of what breakthrough looks like. And often I need hindsight to see how God has been working. For right now, Beck and I, we have the, a beautiful six-month-old place with us. But let me say that 
often many days it takes hindsight to see how beautiful this boy is it takes hindsight to see what god might be doing in his life and and we've only uh, been parents for a couple of months but there are days where we are praying for breakthrough breakthrough from from difficult moods because of teething breakthrough from sleepless nights but really God has a deeper plan than that. And, and he's working something out that I don't always understand in the moment. And, and quite often I can find myself disappointed that the breakthrough that I've been wanting hasn't come about. But this is what Mark is showing to us, that God is at work, that God is still sovereign. And the breakthrough might not come in the ways that I want it to, but that doesn't mean that God is not at work. We just need sometimes to use a bit of faith and a bit of hindsight to be able to determine that God truly is at work. Anyway, we need to move on. So we're introduced to John the Baptist. He's a prophetic voice that is declaring the way uh, for this messianic uh, king. Let's read about what John does. In verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. See, John the Baptist was, became so known for baptizing people that that became his nickname. It is John, which John are you talking about? John the Baptist, oh, the one that is baptizing people in the Jordan River. <laughs> he must have baptized quite a lot of people to be given that nickname. So what is baptism all about? See, baptism was a practice that was conducted regularly in Judaism. From my research, uh, I found that there was this ritual cleansing process uh, that is described in the Old Testament or Israel scriptures where when people wanted to enter into the temple, into the presence of God, they needed to go through this ritual washing, this ritual cleansing, which is somewhat like baptism because they were immersed themselves in water and, and this water would then symbolize that they are clean. Now, uh, according to customs that developed from there, the, uh, the Jewish people, they started to also baptize people who were converting to Judaism. So these people were not um, born a Jew, and so they were not born into Judaism, but they had heard about God and they wanted to follow God. And so when they wanted to do so, the males, they would need to get circumcised. And after their circumcision, after the seventh day, they would then go through a baptism, a complete immersion under water. And that would then symbolize that they are fully clean, fully brought into uh, Judaism, and then and only then were they allowed to enter into the temple and allowed to offer sacrifices to God. And so when John comes along, he borrows this practice of baptism, of conversion, and, and he begins to tell people to repent. Now, repentance isn't saying sorry. Repentance is actually, well, it literally means a changing of your mind. And so when John was saying repent, he was actually telling people to change their minds because the kingdom of 
God is near. And so when they hear about John's teaching and they go, wow, you know what? That is actually really convicting. I want what John is on about and I want to step into what John is talking about. They would go through water baptism. And this water baptism was an outward symbol of an inward decision that they had made to follow John's teaching. And so baptism is an extremely important symbol for us. It is an outward symbol that you are saying that you repented. And it means that from this day on, I am not going to live in the same way that I used to. Just as people that were converting to Judaism, they would only get baptized after they had literally been circumcised, which is a pretty big decision for them to make. So water baptism should have that kind of weight for us today. It is saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I know that I've been living a sinful life, but I want to live according to your principles, according to kingdom culture. And therefore, I'm going to symbolize it through the waters of baptism. Now, this is a crazy thing. People were listening to, they were literally going to John who was in the wilderness and he's described as a wild man. Let's read this in verses um, 6 to 8. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John was telling people to baptize, and he was saying that I'm bringing in, I'm, I'm ushering in, I am the forerunner, giving, preparing the way for this Messiah to come. And his baptism is not just going to be with water, but it is going to be with the Holy Spirit. And people were going to the wilderness to hear this wild man speak, and they were making a decision to follow his teachings. I, I just find that fascinating. That they had the temple, they had all these rabbis, they had all this teaching, but this wild man comes with this message of repentance, but this message of hope as well. And people were turning to him. Again, just like last week, we talked about how Paul wrote in, in, in 1 Corinthians, I, I, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified while I was with you. Again, John's message, repent, turn around because Jesus is coming and people were listening. Have you been impacted by the message of Jesus? As we continue on in this journey, I, I sincerely hope that something stirs inside of you uh, that, that, that at least con it makes you consider, who is this Jesus that I'm meant to be following? Or who is this Jesus that, that this guy uh, is talking to me about? Because people back in those days were sincerely giving notice to John's message. And right from the start, we kind of get a view into the mission of Christ. Hold in mind that Jesus is, uh, sorry, John is the forerunner and he turns uh, our mind towards Jesus and, and, and as much as John himself had a compelling message of repentance and, and, and baptism in water, he knew Jesus was coming 
And this Jesus will carry true authority and power. The baptism of John is concerned with repentance, which allows us into God's presence. But Jesus' baptism is with the Holy Spirit. This is something that was very new. This was something that had not been uh, fully taught about yet when John was gone around. Perhaps John didn't really even fully understand his message that Jesus would baptize in the Holy Spirit. But one thing is for sure that Jesus is bringing a power and authority that is going to be above and beyond anything that humankind had ever seen before. And so this is the introduction that we have to Jesus. He is one that has brought a victorious message. He's the anointed one that was foreshadowed in prophecies from sometimes hundreds, not thousands of years ago. And he comes with a power and an authority. I'm so excited to continue to explore this Jesus with you in the coming weeks. And so uh, after listening to this message, make sure that you get into your live groups uh, as they meet throughout the week. And let's discuss and let's dive deeper into the story of this Jesus, the good news, the victorious news of Jesus, the Messiah. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you got something out of it. (music) 